book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 10. Just read one verse, verse number 4. Pray for Brother Corey. He is in uh, Bolivia on a mission trip. He left out on Monday morning, and uh, he I think he comes back, uh, gets back home Saturday. So uh, pray for them that God will help them, use them, give them a great uh, time in the Lord in Bolivia. They were there uh, doing School of Christ, uh, graduation stuff, training pastors. So I uh, just pray that God will that God will help them. Second Corinthians chapter number ten. Good to have Brother Stephen tonight and those that are here with him. We appreciate them being in service with us tonight. Second Corinthians ten, verse number four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I preached a couple of weeks ago. We started a message entitled The Weapons of Our Warfare. And I just, I spent the whole service kind of laying the groundwork and preached the introduction and never even got to point number one. And uh, hopefully I'm going to start on point number one tonight and I would like to get through point number two because we got so many people in need of prayer and in need of a miracle. That's kind of where point two, uh, it, it gets heavy on on that theme. So I'd like to get to point and get through point number two tonight. I'd really love the Holy Ghost to come down this altar service and reach outside these four walls tonight. Amen. People need us to pray when they're when they're too sick to pray for themselves, they need us to pray. The Bible said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer works. It touches the heart of God, and God moves in response to our prayers. So uh, we're going to do that tonight. The weapons of our warfare, this will be part number two. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. We ask you, Lord, that you'll just anoint us to preach. God, I pray that miracles, miracles will happen in this service tonight. God, I pray you'll save. If there's someone here lost, they'll leave saved. I ask you, Lord, if there's somebody here sick tonight, that your healing virtue will flow through this house, oh God, to heal them in their body and make them perfectly whole. God, for those that aren't here, there's so many requests tonight of people needing absolute miracles to be performed in their body. You're a miracle-working God, and I believe in you tonight to work miracles for those that need your divine touch. Help us, Lord, to preach what you've laid upon our heart for this service. God, meet us around this altar when we pray. We thank you in advance, Lord. We ask it together in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Well, the last time we used this text, we talked about every one of us are fighting a battle of some kind. Some battles are serious and other battles not so serious. Meaning life or death, serious. But if you're, if you're born again, if you're saved, you're a child of God, then you are the enemy and the antagonist of Satan. Yeah, that's right. The Bible said that uh, he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the only antagonist he has in the whole world is Jesus Christ and the body of Christ, which is the church. And the reason you're not in hell right now is because the church got in his way. Somebody prayed for you and you're saved tonight. Because the Lord made the devil turn you loose. The Lord touched your ears and allowed them to hear. The prodigal sons would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. 
and no man gave to him. And the Bible said, on a certain day, he came to himself. If you look that wording up in Strong's Concordance, came unto himself, though they're, they're compound words in the English, but in the Greek, it literally means, so it's a compound word that literally means to become sober again. It's almost like his mind became sober. He was intoxicated in sin, but God sobered his mind. Long enough to make him realize, what am I doing in a hog pen? What am I doing? I'm about to eat hog slop when my father's hired servants have bread enough in despair. I'm getting out of here. I'm going back to my father. I'm going to repent before him and before heaven, and I ain't dying in a hog pen. Do you know that's that, that father seen him when he was yet a great way off and ran and fell on him, kissed him, clothed him, put shoes on his feet, a ring on his hand, let him eat the fatted calf, did a work in his life. And uh, he, he said, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and his family. Do you know that father had been praying, praying for that boy yeah. from the day he left until the day he saw him when he was a great way off? Oh, yeah, right. How do you know the father had been praying? You're reading between the lines, I am. Because the Bible said, he said, go and kill the fatted calf. His daddy put a calf in the stall and fattened him up. He said, man, let's, that calf right there is ready. It's ready for the slaughter. We ain't touching that calf till my boy comes home. Yeah. When my boy comes home, we're going to have reason to make Mary and rejoice. And that's why he's in that stall, and we're waiting on him to get home. Right. That's praying, and that's praying the prayer of faith. Yeah. You're in a war. You're in a battle against Satan. If you don't know it or not, he's not your friend. Right. He's not your buddy. Right. He wants you dead. The thief cometh not for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the Bible said we don't wrestle, we don't fight, we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That we're commanded to put on the whole armor of God that we may fight. We may stand against the wiles of the devil. And we brought that word out, the wiles of the devil. That means the, the tactics or the campaign strategies of the devil. He, he, if somebody's fighting a war, then they've got a, they've got a campaign strategy. And for most wars nowadays, nowadays it's to attack by the air. It's bomb, 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 bomb. And you make ready for the ground war. The first is an air raid campaign. That's the strategy that seems to, to work the best for most, you know, military powers. And the devil's got a war campaign strategy as well. We talked about it, that, that war, that battle begins in our mind. That if the devil can... Rule your mind, he will rule your life. And we, we talked about the, the wiles of the devil, and then we talked about the battle beginning, the battleground beginning in our mind. And I don't want to rehash all of that, or I, I won't even get to uh, point number one tonight. But I, I want to talk to you. We talk about the weapons of our warfare. I want to talk about one of the weapons that God gave us to use to fight the enemy in this warfare is the name of Jesus. And James said, do you believe in God? He said, good for you. 
But the devil also believes and trembles at his name. Not just any name, but the name. The name that whipped him. The name that defeated him. The name that destroyed him. What name is that? The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. The Bible says he is. Jesus Christ, the Lord. We have his name as a weapon. In Acts 4 and 10, be it known unto you all and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you. Hold, this is the stone which will set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Yeah. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Yeah. There ain't nothing you can say against the power of the name of Jesus. Right. Anybody who calls upon that name the Bible said there's no other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. And that when a man calls upon that name and he is saved, there's nothing that the devil can say against it. Jesus said to the demoniac from Gadara, go and show all of your friends what great things that God has done for you. And when you see a man that rode around naked, but now he's got clothes on, a man that wasn't in his right mind, but now is in his right mind, a man that was a wild man and out of control is walking around and being controlled by the Spirit of God, ain't nothing you can say to that. Except there must be something to this salvation. There must be something to Jesus. Look, when a just take Teen Challenge. They'll be here Sunday morning. Forgot to announce it, but I just did. They'll be here Sunday morning. You take Teen Challenge, they say their success rate in Teen Challenge of people getting off of drugs and alcohol and staying off is in the upper 80s percentile. But it's not a step program. It's the gospel. Yeah, right. It's Christ. Yeah. You basically shut them in with Jesus. And keep them there. <laughs> Amen. You say, well, that's a sheltered environment. What happens uh, when they come out? Well, we ain't so scared about them getting out if you know they're born again. Right. Right. Because everybody that got saved, Jesus sent them out. Yeah. Go into all the world. Right. He sent that boy from Gadara. He said, I, I could take you back to Caesarea Philippi where we're going back across the water. Ain't nobody knows you over there. Nobody knew who you are, where you're from, or your testimony that you used to be wild and crazy and full of the devil. Nobody knows that. I'd rather you stay here because you've got a lot of wild, crazy friends that are as full of the devil as you were. I'd like you to go preach to them. Let them know there's something to the name of Jesus. How did you get free? How did you get saved? How did you get clean? How did your life get back on the right track? Well, let me tell you how. Jesus, 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 and Jesus. That's how. And there ain't much you can say against. I'll tell you how I'm standing here tonight. Jesus. He found me 30 years ago. My marriage was about over. I've been married 33 years. How? Jesus. He's still a good counselor. You having trouble, run to him. He puts you back together and he can keep you together. Woo, I'm preaching good. 
I'm preaching about Jesus. Amen. Matthew 18 and 24, two or three are gathered together in my name. These words are in red because Jesus spoke this. Right. Two or three are gathered together in my name, that is in the name of Jesus. There am I in the midst of them. He said in Mark 16 and 17, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, in the name of Jesus. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. In John 14 and 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, whose name in the name of Jesus. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then in verse 23, and in that day ye shall ask me nothing, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. Yes. Right. Amen. Thank you, John 16 and 24, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy might be full. There's so many verses here that mention the power of his name. Number one, he said, what, what power does the name of Jesus have? Well, if you come to worship Jesus, if you come to pray to Jesus, if you come to testify about Jesus or to preach about Jesus, that means you come in the name of the Lord. And if I come in the name of the Lord and you come in the name of the Lord and somebody else comes in the name of the Lord, the Lord said, well, if y'all are coming, I'm coming. And when y'all get there, I'll be there. And whatever you ask me to do while you're there, I'll do that for you. Amen. And there ain't nowhere else you can go where that'll happen. Right. Nowhere. Somebody else come in, they want to talk about hunting. Somebody else comes in, they want to talk about fishing. Somebody else comes in, they want to talk about the ball game. Somebody else comes in, they want to talk about politics. You can get all of them together, and all you got is a bunch of blah, 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 blah. You get everybody there, and they're all focused on one thing, on one person. They get to talking about him, loving on him, lifting him up, being reminded of what he promised, and they raise their hands and call on that name. I want to tell you, the heavens roll back. The king of glory steps down into the room. He said, there am I in your midst. You believe that? If I don't, I believe Christ is a liar. And I don't believe he's capable of lying. So I believe that unseen to your natural eye, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, not Gabriel, not Michael, not some other angel, the King of kings and the Lord of lords uh, is in this house tonight. Uh, and if you could touch the hem of his garment, uh, you would be perfectly whole. You troubled in your heart tonight. Uh, he's the Prince of Peace. Uh, if you're lost, if your soul's bound by sin, uh, he's a Savior. Mark 16 and 17, what power these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. You see that hand right there? Ain't nothing in that hand but a palm. <laughs> they get dirty and I have to wash them all. I cut them and they bleed. I work hard and they blister up and hurt. Ain't nothing in that hand. Oh, but when I get to loving on Jesus, uh, talking to Jesus, uh, preaching about Jesus, uh, when that hand gets full of Jesus, uh, I want to tell you, I've laid that right hand on people and cancers went away. I've laid that hand uh, on a boy that was deaf uh, and his ears heard again. I've laid this hand uh, on a head and kidneys uh, kick-started uh, and went to work. And, uh, I've laid this hand on lost men. Uh, that got saved. I've laid it on men that were seeking a baptism of the Holy Ghost and God filled them. Yeah. Right. Ain't nothing in that hand but the powers in his name when you call upon the name of the Lord. He said in my name you, you, you will lay your hand on the sick and they'll recover. I've laid this hand 
babies more times than I can count. Uh, to, uh, too broke to pay attention. Ain't got insurance. Uh, can't afford to go to the hospital or to the doctor. What are we going to do? The one thing we know to do. Lord, I need you to help me. Desperate prayer. Desperate prayer. Desperate times. Call for desperate measures. And God likes brokenness. God likes humility. And God loves desperation. If you broke, busted, and disgusted, if you don't have a Obamacare, if you don't have a job or a doctor to go to, I'm telling you, if you were in the bush of Africa, you could call on the name of the Lord. He answers prayer. He said in John 14 and 26, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things. There ain't but one name the Holy Ghost bears witness to. There ain't but one name the Holy Ghost will honor. And there ain't but one vessel the Holy Ghost will live inside. And that's a vessel that's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and a vessel that Jesus lives in. That's the only vessel that the Holy Ghost will abide in. That's the only one that the Holy Ghost will walk with. How can two walk except they be agreed together? It's Christ and the Holy Ghost. He said the Father's going to send the Holy Ghost in my name. He's going to give you power to tread on serpents and upon scorpions. If you eat of any deadly or poisonous thing, it shall not hurt you. Oh, yes, sir. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. I reminded David Talbert's testimony they poisoned him in the Philippines. Preaching the gospel. He said, I, I drank a Sprite after I got through preaching. He said, I remember tasting this weird metallic taste. And then I started getting violently sick. And I, I tasted that weird metallic taste in my tongue swole up that it was hanging out of my mouth. He said, I told him while I was still coherent, get me to the American embassy. I've been poisoned. I'm dying. He said the, the uh, interpreter, he said they were really scared of the Muslims that were in the area and had tried to kill him, no doubt. And they were scared to get the authorities involved they were scared to do anything that might get those people in trouble. And so they just took him to a hotel. He said, don't leave me here. Don't leave me in this hotel. Nobody knows I'm here. If you leave me here tonight, I'll die. Don't leave me here. My wife won't even be able to, to, to find me or, or know what happened. Take me to the embassy. He said, the interpreter said, you know die, you man of God. He left him at the hotel. He said, two of them. He said, they laid me across the bed. I'm lifeless. I'm, I've already lost use of my limbs. I can't get up. I can't move. I'm laying lifeless on a bed. And I'm fading out of consciousness. And he said, I started praying in my mind. Lord, when I'm gone, take care of Judy. Take care of Josie, my youngest boy, still at home. Take care of my family, Lord. I won't be here to pray over them or protect them or to provide for them. Lord, somehow, some way, let Judy find me. She'll worry herself, blame herself, grieve herself to death. Let her be able to find me, locate my body, and be able to bury me. Don't, don't leave it a mystery to her what happened to me. He said, while I'm praying all these things, he said, the door opened up. He said, I didn't see it because I'm laying flat on my back. Eyes closed, only praying in my mind. He said, but I heard the door open up creaked on the hinges, closed back. He said, I heard footsteps walk across that old wood plank floor. Floor squeaking, 
I could hear the, the feet stepping. He said somebody sat down on the bed next to me. I felt the weight of somebody's body sat down. My body shifted. He said, who's there? Whoever you are, my name's David Lonnie Talbot. I'm an American citizen. I'm from Milton, Florida in the United States. Please get me to the U.S. Embassy. Don't leave me in this room to die. And he said, boy spoke to me. And he said, Dave, I know where you are. I'm the one that sent you here. You're not alone. And I won't leave you by yourself in this room. I'm not going to let you die. You're going to be all right. He said, I woke up the next morning to frantic knocking on the door. I sat up in the bed, the interpreter threw the door open, and he said he saw I was alive. He said, you don't die. You ain't a guy. He thought he was dead. He didn't die. What happened? He talking to the right man. He calling on the right name. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. He was praying like he was going to die. Right. I want to tell you, he had a hold of the right one. Yes, yes sir. He laid a hold yes. to the right one. He was ringing the prayer bells of heaven. Yes. He might have thought one thing, but God had a different mind. Yeah. I know where you're at. I ain't leaving you in this hotel room by yourself. Uh, and everything's going to be all right. You ain't going to die. Woo, hallelujah to God. I told him, Brother David, you ought to put that in a, you ought to write all these stories and put them in a book. He told him, Brother Eddie, I'm writing that book that you told me I ought to write. Trying to remember and put all these things in a book. Why? To encourage other young preachers. Call on that name. Preach that name. Believe on that name. And you'll see the same things. Amen. He said, that day you shall ask me nothing, but verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he'll give it unto you. This is the way I pray a lot of times. Father, not for me, not because I'm a preacher, not because I belong to the assemblies of God, not because I don't drink, chew, smoke, or dip. Not because uh, I'm faithful to my wife. Not because of any of my righteousness that would only be filthy rags in your eyes. But look to your right hand and behold a lamb as it had been slain. Look to your right hand. That's the one that died for me. He's the one that washed me in his own blood. He's the one that ever lives to make intercession for me. For his sake, I ask you in the name of Jesus, for his name's sake, help me. Help me. I believe that's a prayer that the Father cannot deny. He said, whatever you ask him in my name, he'll do it. You believe that, I want to tell you, then the name of Jesus becomes a weapon in your arsenal that makes hell tremble. Don't you know that when Satan hears a child of God begin to cry and begin to weep and to begin to call on the name of Jesus, don't you know he starts getting nervous? He gets as nervous uh, as a bank robber when somebody, when the teller mashes that emergency button under the counter. What do you do? I just hit this alarm button and the authorities are on their way. You know what he knows? He's in trouble. Right. Somebody stronger than him got more might more arsenal, more weaponry, and more power than him is fixing to bind him. He's fixing to leave there in cuss or dead, one of the two. And when the devil hears a child of God, Jesus, 
Jesus, I need you tonight, Lord. Jesus, would you come and help me? Jesus, would you look upon my plight, my affliction? Jesus, would you save me from my sin? Jesus, would you heal my body? Jesus, would you save my family? He gets nervous. He knows his days are numbered. He knows God is on the way. He knows he's no match for the power of God. Whole time the devil's lying to you, so he ain't here. He ain't gonna answer. God ain't gonna work. But in reality, he's let, he's asking every lying imp in hell, lie to him, deceive him, yeah. make him stop. Right. He keeps praying like that. Ain't nothing we can do. The only chance is to get you to quit praying. Which leads us to our second weapon. Amen. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down is a compound word in the Greek, and it, it literally means to destruct. And in the Greek, it, it, may, it, it shows the word picture of a man pulling down a building or a wall brick by brick, block by block, however, just pulling it down. Brother David can tell you what that's about. He likes to put them up better than he likes to take them down. But I know they've had to take some of them down. Sometimes you got to go behind somebody that's already put one up and you got to take them down. Well, that's what prayer, the weapon of the name of Jesus and the weapon of prayer, it pulls down the devil's stronghold brick by brick. Amen. Prayer. What I, what I kind of subtitle, weaponized prayer. Not no mealy mouth prayer. Not no little wimpy prayer. But weaponized prayer. I mean prayer. The effectual fervent prayer. Fervent means red hot, boiling over. That's what the word fervent in the Greek means. Red hot. It's a pot over fire and it's boiling over. That's fervent. Prayer boils up out of your spirit. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You're burning it on fire for God. And you're praying in the name of Jesus. And you're praying according to the will of God. And you know God answers prayer. And you know help is on the way. And your prayers become red hot. Hallelujah. I said your prayers become red hot. The Bible calls those prayers effectual, meaning they're effective, uh, they work, uh, and they're powerful, and they get the job done. Amen. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous, I'll tell you how it reads in the Greek, the red hot prayers of a holy man work. Amen. Glory to God. Second yes, Kings 19 and 14. Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. You know God can read. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel which dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art God even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which had sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no God, but the work of men's hands. Wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, 
I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, and that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. In verse number 35, it came to pass that night. You want to talk about God answering prayer? It came to pass that night. Do you know the people that we call their names that need miracles? Do you know when they need them to happen? Tonight. It came to pass. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. It came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians for or a hundred, four score, and five thousand. That is one hundred and eighty-five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all corpses. Because God had told Hezekiah, don't fear Sennacherib or the Assyrians, for the battle is not yours, for the battle is the Lord's. And that night, while Hezekiah slept like a baby, believing that God answers prayer, effectual, fervent prayer, God hears and God answers. While he slept like a baby and he woke up the next morning, 185,000 dead Assyrians lying on the ground. I've, I've used this uh, illustration before, but in World War II, that uh, in that war, America dropped the bomb, arsenal, weaponry that had just been, uh, you know, invented that had never been used before. They dropped two bombs, atomic bombs, one upon Hiroshima, one upon Nagasaki. And they say the estimated total of dead people was 185,000 dead Japanese. It was so powerful, so destructive, that the Japanese surrendered and swore made a treaty and an allegiance, we will never involve ourselves in the wars or the affairs of other nations. Again, the price is too high. The cost is too great. It ended that war. And it marked America as the most powerful military force in the world. Several more nations now have, have nuclear capability. But what I'm trying to tell you is that Hezekiah prayed and 185,000 men died. The equivalent of two atomic bombs in one man's prayer. If you want to know how powerful prayer is, if you want to know how mighty the arsenal of prayer is in your life the devil would tell you it's as strong as two nuclear bombs that your nation dropped on the Japanese it killed as many people if you got a problem with the enemy tonight the first thing I would do is tell you call on the right name and the second thing pray until prayer boils up out of your spirit Thank you, Lord. You say, what, what kind of prayer? I, I don't know how to pray. I, I won't ever forget asking Paul Reddick at 90 years old. Do you want to be? Why is your wife uh, just one of the sweetest women I've ever met in my life? Like an angel. Just a darling woman. And you ain't saved. He said, well, I just ain't never thought about getting saved. I said, well, do you want to be saved? He said, yeah, I'd like to be saved, but I don't know how. I said, well, that's easy. Many should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You got to put your faith in the only one who can save. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived sinless, spotless, holy, died on Calvary in your place. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He didn't die for his sin. He died for your sin. 
And when he died for your sin, he gave you his righteousness and took your sin guilt. And if you'll put faith in him, he'll take your sin from you and give unto you his holiness and his righteousness. You'll, you'll be born again. You'll have a new heart, a, a new mind, a, a new life. He'll literally write your name down in the book of life and make you a new creature. I said, do you believe that? He said, I do. I believe Jesus did all of that. I said, well, if you ask him, he'll save you. He said, I don't know how to pray. Never prayed in my life. I said, well, you pray, you talk to God. You talk to God like I'm talking to you. You tell him, Lord, I need you. I'm lost without you. I need your forgiveness. I need you to forgive me. My... He started crying. I said, well, come on, let's get on with it. He said, help me. I just started praying. I said, if I was you, this is how I'd pray. I said, now I can't pray for you. You're going to have to pray it for yourself. But if I was you, this is how I'd pray. And I started praying. He started repeating everything I said. And the longer he said it, the more he cried. And a few months later, a few months later, you don't get to lead 90-year-old men to the Lord very often in your life. A few months later, Sister Eddie called me and she said, Brother Eddie, we're at the hospital. We're over with Thomas. The ambulance had to bring Paul. Said, I woke up. During the night, it was about midnight. Said, I woke up and I felt wet. I touched the sheet beside me. The bed was wet. And I thought, it was warm. And I thought, well, Paul is wet the bed. I got up and flipped the light on. She said, I was soaked in his blood, covered in his blood. The sheets were soaked in his blood. I dialed 911. We're in the emergency room. Paul's got a bad colon. Abscess or something in his colon. He's bleeding out. They got bags of blood, fast as they putting in him. He's bleeding out. He ain't gonna let them put no colostomy bag on him. He said he's 90 plus. Years old, he ain't wearing no bag. And they said, we better call the family in. He ain't gonna make it. I said, I'm, I'm coming. I'll be right there. I threw my clothes on. I got there. So, oh, God, don't let him die before I get there. I got there. I made sure I carried this, this word in with me. I said, Brother Paul, I said, you believe the Lord to save you? And he did. I said, now you gotta believe him to heal you. He said, well, what I need to do. I said, well, the old timers, they'd always tell me when somebody had a bleed that wouldn't stop, they'd quote Ezekiel 16, 6. I said, brought my Bible. I opened it up and I read it to him. He said, that, I saw you polluted in your own blood. And I said, unto you live. And I said, you believe the Lord's a healer? He said, I believe he can do anything. I said, take his Bible out of my hand. Read this text. He read it. I said, ask, ask the Lord to heal you. I said, you lying there in your own blood. I said, ask the Lord to heal you so that you'll live and not die. He said, Lord, would you heal me tonight so that I could live and not die? Hallelujah. I said, he said, what, what we do now? He just asking me like I'm reading an instruction card. What we got to do now? I said, we just believe him now. That's all we're going to do. He said, well, all right, then. He said, Mama, I believe him. She said, well, I believe him too, Daddy. And I said, well, I believe him three. He said, well, two or three gathered together. He's in our midst. If any two of you agree. I said, I'm just believing it's done. I, I am living witness to tell you both of them's in heaven now, and if they was alive, they'd take. I'm telling you, he took the last pound of blood right then. When that blood ran out into his body, that was the end of that. And the doctor come in there, and he said, well, thankfully, the bleeding has stopped. I looked over at Paul. I just winked at him. He said, Mr. Reddick, it's only temporary. That is a bad spot in your colon. It has got to come out. It's going to rupture. 
and you're going to die. So you, we're surprised you made it to the hospital. If it ruptures again, you at home, you ain't going to make it. You're going to die. He said, nope, I, I'm saved. I'm an old man. If I die, I'll just go to heaven. I ain't wearing no bag. They said, all right, you, we ain't going to keep you. Just get him out, get the clothes back on, go home. He went home. He got dressed. I got out of there and he got dressed. I was waiting on him. Walked him back out to the car. He said, preacher, he said, I wasn't kidding. Mama calls you and, I'm, and I bled out. You just preach my funeral and tell everybody that I was ready to go when I die. I said, I will. I said, Brother Paul, you old. I said, you're going to die if the Lord tears, but you ain't going to die in no bleeding cold. He said, I believe that. I believe him like 97. Sister Mary got cancer and died a couple years before he did. He about 97 or 98 when he died. He did die, but he didn't die of no bad cold. I told that at his funeral. His oldest boy wasn't saved. I told that at his funeral. Big old tears run down his boy's face. He said, my daddy, one of the meanest, most ornery, cantankerous men you would ever want to be around. I don't know why my mama put up with him. I would, I couldn't even hardly put up with him. He said, oh, when my daddy, my mom and daddy started going to your church, and my daddy told us that he, that he prayed and got saved, all of us boys just rolled our eyes like, yeah. We'll know you got saved and you don't bite our head off over everything that makes you mad. And he said, then when our daddy went in there bleeding and they told us he wasn't going to live, and our daddy lived on anyhow, he said, all us brothers got together and said, you know, I think daddy really does believe. God really did save him. God really did heal him. I'm just preaching to you tonight on weapons that are in your arsenal. Weapons that are so readily available that an old 90-year-old man can whip the devil. A 90-year-old man that don't even know how to pray that if you teach him what kind of weaponry that God has provided for him through Christ, an old, feeble, 90-year-old man can whip the devil. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is real warfare I'm talking to you about. Yes, yes. We're beating the devil to a pulp tonight, and he don't like it. So, God, you know. Usually when I went to Kentucky, and I preached at one time here, but I went to Kentucky, I preached Satan's obituary. Man, I preached on out of the book of Revelation where he was thrown into the pit where the beast and the false prophet were. The smoke of their torment. I preached Satan's obituary. I read his obituary. This is what is going to happen to you, sir. You the only one that reads your obituary before you die. This is how you're going to die. This is when you're going to die. This is going to be what happens after you're dead and gone. I tell you, we're Camp meeting broke out in that place. Some people bucked, shouted, run, jumped, stomped, fell out on the floor, yeah. spoke in tongues. We stomped all over the devil's head. I'm telling you, it was all-out warfare. Hordes of demons got unleashed on Brother Eddie. Yeah. I'm laying down in the carpet one night, weeping and sobbing and crying. Oh, God, would you please help me? And Jesus spoke to my heart and said, you remember the night uh, you preached Satan's obituary? I said, I remember. He said, oh, did you damage him? He unleashed uh, a horde of devils after you. It's them that's attacking you. It's them you're warned against. But God said to me, keep doing what you're doing. Your preaching is effective. Your prayers are effective. And your life is doing damage. Don't fear don't back down. Don't cower. Don't be afraid. Keep praying. You're hurting him worse than he's hurting you. Amen. 
Hallelujah. He's going to like you too. I'm just telling you, your prayers are stronger than his. Your God is greater than his. God ain't going to let him kill you. And he ain't going to let him defeat you. Jesus ain't never lost. And he ain't about to start. Satan is already defeated as far as Christ is concerned. The only way you can lose in this battle is to quit. If you'll dare call on the name of the Lord, if you'll dare but pray, you can't lose. You can't be conquered or defeated. I ain't got time to preach on weaponized worship, but I will either Sunday night or Wednesday night. Kirsten, you come help me tonight. Thank you, Lord. I am the Lord. There's none but me who can save, who hears, who answers, and who delivers. I am God alone, all by myself. I am the Lord. It is within my power to rescue, to save, to heal, and to set free, call upon me this night. Look unto me and you will live, saith God. Call upon my name in faith and you will be saved. Reach for me by faith. Touch me by prayer, saith the Lord. And I will heal you and raise you up. For it is well within my power in my authority to do these things. I am the Almighty, and I will not turn you away, saith God. Oh, I feel God in this house tonight. Hallelujah. I feel the Almighty in this house tonight. So many that need a miracle. We've made mention of their name, Brother Judd, Sister Joyce Roberts, Sister Dawn Suggs, and maybe you. Maybe you need a miracle tonight. Maybe all the hell's come against you. Maybe you're lost. You need to be saved. That's the greatest miracle there is. Maybe your children are lost. You know hell's trying to kill them. Don't stop praying now. You're winning this fight. You're winning this war. Or else hell wouldn't be trying to convince you that there's no help and no hope. There is. It's in Jesus. Brother Tim Cawley told me, while Kirsten begins to play, I'll close with this. Stan, if you're able this morning or tonight. Brother Tim Cawley told me, he said, uh, what you preaching tonight? I said, I'm preaching on the weapons of our warfare. He said, where are you going with that? Mighty through God of the pulling down strongholds. I said, I've already laid the introduction. The first time I preached it. He said, oh, it's a series. I said, not really. I just take it so long preaching that I made it into one. He said, well, I started the series Sunday night. I said, preaching that same thing again tonight? He said, yeah. He said, I'm preaching on don't give up when somebody's praying for you. I said, where are you going with that? He said, I'm preaching on Hezekiah. I said, well, I'm preaching on the weapons of our warfare and I'm starting out with the power of his name. That's a weapon and the 
The second one's a weapon of prayer. I'm going to preach on old Hezekiah too. I said, use this. And I told him about the atomic bomb. He said, ooh, that's good. He said, use this. And he said, you, you remember old Maze Jackson that used to preach on the radio? He used to have a trucking broadcast. He preached to truckers. Like he called it the trucker's hour or something like that. I said, I remember hearing him. I used to listen to him all the time on the radio. Very few radio preachers anymore. Man, he was a good one. He'd shout on that radio. He said, old Mays Jackson told the story. He was preaching revival. He said, a boy came to nine years old. He came to church. He said, he preached on any two would agree is touching anything. Whatsoever you bind here on the earth, he'll bind it in heaven. Whatsoever you loose here on the earth, he'll loose it in heaven. He said, I preached a message on that, on binding the devil and agreeing with God. He said, that nine-year-old came to me and he said, Preacher, Brother Jackson, you really believe, do you really believe what you preach tonight is true? He said, well, yeah, boy, I believe it. I preached it, didn't I? He said, well, you really believe what you preached is true. And I want you to agree with me tonight. He said, you name it, boy, I'll agree with you. He said, my daddy left my mama when I was a little boy, about five years old. He just drunk on drugs. He left, left me and my mom. He said, I ain't never seen my daddy again. He never called me, never come see me. I don't know where he's at. He said, we hear rumors that he's here or there, that he is alive. He said, I don't know that I know what my daddy looked like. He said, but I want you to agree with me that before revivals this Monday night, he said, before revivals over this week, I believe that my daddy will come to revival and get saved and I can and I can have a relationship with my dad. So old Mays Jackson said, uh-huh. Uh-huh. You really believe that God can do that? He said, uh-huh. He said, all right, son, I'll agree with you. Tuesday night, no daddy. Wednesday night, no daddy. Thursday night, no daddy. Friday night, no daddy. Friday night, a nine-year-old boy came over and he said, Brother Jackson, you still you still agree with me in prayer? He said, Yeah, boy. I, I, I believe that God can save your daddy. He said, but on the inside, he's telling his testimony. He said, Boy, I thought, well, God, obviously he ain't coming and he ain't here. You ain't gonna do it. Now this boy's gonna think that I didn't agree. He's gonna think that I didn't believe. He said, the Lord smoked my heart, so you ain't believed. You've doubted the whole time. He said, every time you dare to pray that prayer, every time you say, well, Lord, what if you don't come? He said, you've been doubting me the whole time. He said, I grabbed that little boy's hand. He said, well, revival ain't over yet, son. Let's agree one more time. He said, man, I was really broken. Me and that boy began to sob and cry and pray for his daddy. Lord, I believe you want to save this boy's daddy. I believe you want that daddy to be a part of this boy's life. I believe he believes it, and I believe that you can do it, Lord. He said, God, my witness, when I opened my eyes, he said, that back door had opened. That boy's old, nasty, grubby-looking daddy had been out there on the streets living a life of sin. He made his way through the boy in that church, and he standing against that back wall. He said, I'm just standing there staring. That boy turned around and looked. He said, That's my daddy. And he come down the altar. He got saved. Maze Jackson said, I've told that story everywhere I've ever went. Most amazing miracle I've ever seen in my life. I'm just telling you, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. If nobody will agree with you tonight, the Bible said he ever lives to make intercession. Jesus will agree with you in prayer. 
Jesus, if you'll ask him, if you'll ask the Father in his name, he said, Father, do it. You bind the devil in Jesus' name. You can ask him to lose your love on him, set him free, save his soul, deliver him from what holds him down, Lord. He will. You believe he can do it, I believe it. Before this service is over, they walk through that door right I believe that Sister Bird, before we get out of this church tonight, I believe her intestines start moving. I believe Sister Dawn Subs that flesh-eating bacteria can die inside her body. Cancer can shrivel up and die. The doctors be amazed and say, you know what, she's going to live and not die. I believe Brother Judd can be healed tonight of cancer. Be here when the rapture takes place and see his grandchildren grow old. That's what I believe. If you believe it, won't you meet God this altar tonight? Use the arsenal that God gave 